Good afternoon on this Sabbath day, and this is Pastor The Way In with Treasures of the Heart. I'm so glad that you have tuned in, and I'm prayerfully hoping that you are into this fall series with me on learning about the book of Revelation. And I have to tell you this afternoon that, you know, reading this chapter three is what we're in uh, today, and reading this chapter, it just, my heart feels unsettled. And, and there's like this mixture of sadness that I kind of feel toward Jesus, and I also feel toward the churches. I know that may sound strange because, I mean, Jesus is alive and well, I know that. But, you know, he gave his life for us. And it wasn't an easy sacrifice that he made for us to have eternal life. And when I'm reading these letters that, that Jesus is asking John to pen on his behalf, and, and these, these letters are going to be for all the churches, not just the seven. That seven, remember, means, means completeness, uh, perfection. And so it's not just meant, but it's meant for, you know, all who read and you look at your church and, and, and if it's floundering in times, Jesus says, you know, hey, you're doing some things here that you got to, you, you need to get this right. And I'm thinking, you know, it's almost like we have this cheap grace where Jesus is concerned, like, you know, his sacrifice has become, uh, you know, more commonplace, more just accepted. And so, you know, it's like we're not really serious at times about our walk with the Lord or the churches and what they're doing. And, and I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I mean, how would we feel if we gave everything, everything that we had, if, if we did and we suffered terribly, horribly to death, and then those who said that they love us and believe in us just walks away, you know, takes things lightly, you know, just kind of forgets about us in a way. And, you know, we would be like, man, you know, and you, you don't care anymore. And, and to, that's something that Jesus is like saying to the churches uh, at times, and we're gonna we're gonna hear about that. And so there's this sadness toward the church because they're floundering. They're not full of passion. They're not full of love for one another. They're they're falling apart. And and so there's that sadness when I begin to read these. This is the last letter in the New Testament. After this, there is no more until Jesus comes back. And so this is his kind of last way of talking to the churches. And we remember, you know, that Peter said in 1 Peter that when judgment comes, it's going to come to the house of God first. So, I mean, we who are believers, the body of Christ, judgment's coming here first. And that's why Jesus is talking to the churches. He's like, you guys have got to get this right because you're my representative to the world. I can't tell the world to do these things. They're like, what? You're the ones that understand. You're the ones that said that I've changed your life. And because of what I've done, your life is so much better. You're the ones who are serving me and, and showing the world who that I'm good and kind and patient, but I'm still also a judge and I forgive sins. And so he's, he's given this last message to the churches. And this is our last shot at it on these last three churches. And that's where my sadness comes from. So I, you know, I shared you know, that Jesus is writing to the churches because his believers are the carriers of the gospel. So as we read, and remember, I'd like to have your Bible out, you know, get chapter three ready, 
and you know read it out loud with me if, if you want to do that because you're blessed if you read it out loud but you're really not blessed if you only read it out loud and not do what it says so we have to read and be obedient but it says in the beginning and again remember this letter now is to the letter of Sardis and it, we're, we're giving it to the angel of Sardis and we have this description of Jesus and then we have what Jesus said and so writing to Sardis to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, he who has an ear." Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, here are my takeaways from this letter to the church of Sardis. The first thing that you just really comes right up at you is wake up. It's like they're in this spiritual slumber. It's like, you know, they've lost their, their motivation. They're just, you know, just kind of going day to day, just maybe not just doing the things they're supposed to be doing as a church. And so he's like, look, I know what's going on in your church. And, you know, you're talking like things are really, really good. However, you're saying that that you're okay. But listen, you're not alive. You're dead. And so those are the things, you know, that stand out. And my other takeaway is he said, strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. So they haven't died yet. You know, it causes us to look at our churches and say, are there some things here that we're just letting fall through the cracks? Maybe are there people we're letting fall through the cracks? Are there things about to die in my church? And do I not have, do I not care enough to do something about it? Do I need to personally wake up out of my slumber, out of my comfort zone, and I need to be about loving on God's church? And so that's my, that was one of my takeaways. The other is, remember what you received. Sometimes it helps us to remember that God has blessed us with so many things. He has put us in and gives us the responsibility of growing his church, of keeping his church healthy, of taking care of each other. And, and so he's like, remember what you received, what you heard, keep it, and then repent. And repent means to say, not just you're sorry and keep on doing it over again. Repent means, you know, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to be open to changing this. And, and going in a different direction. And I'm sorry, Lord, that I have gotten maybe into a lassadaisical spirit or I have not been there for your church as I need to be. And so those are the takeaways because then in like 3.5, you know, he said, there's just a few of you who haven't soiled your garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. But it's just a few. I don't know how large the church of Sardis is, but there were just a few who hadn't soiled their garments. And so he said, I will not erase his name from the book of life. 
I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. And so, look, we don't want any name taken out of the book of life. You don't want your name that might be in there and you fall away from the Lord and, and him have to remove your name. This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament, my friends. And so that's why I think I feel so serious about this because there's all this preaching about God's grace and his grace is infinite and his mercy is wonderful. But that doesn't mean that he's still not a holy, righteous judge. And he's already warning the churches right now. I mean, he, every time we read this, the warning's going out. It's like waking up, up, making us see that this is important. We not we got to keep doing this. And so, you know, in Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father who is in heaven. In Luke 9, 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So, you know, with those scriptures, it's like we need to be out there sharing Jesus with the people. All right, let's go to the next church that that they write to. This is the church of Philadelphia, but it's a much different letter than the church that was written to Sardis. So look with me, if you will, chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So now here's my takeaway on this chapter 3 letter to the Church of Philadelphia. Number one, he is saying, hey, great job. You kept the word of my perseverance. I will keep you from the hour of testing. Now, does that refer to the rapture of the church, the taking up when Jesus comes down? That those who hold on to the end and they, they, they you know, keep that word that we get to go with Jesus and we won't be tested as the other ones will be? Something for you to really think about. He said, I'll keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who are dwelling on the earth. Hold fast what you have. Don't let anyone take your crown. Don't let anyone rob you of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let the world and the people in it bring you to temptation and take you down the wide road that leads to destruction. You stay on the narrow road that leads to life. And the new thing and the great thing is, look, I don't know about tattoos here on earth. I know a lot of people get them. But Jesus said, I'm going to write on you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'm going to write on you my name. I mean, we are going to be sealed. Anyone that would see us would know that Jesus himself penned his new name 
and the name of the city and of his God on our new bodies. Hallelujah. Praise to Jesus. One last church, folks, before we got to go. This is the message to Laodicea. Uh, not such a good, not such a good letter to receive. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here is my takeaway on the church of Laodicea. First of all, we need to understand that Jesus sees all things. He knows what's going on in the church. He knows the things that we are doing, but he also knows the things we're not doing. He said, you're not cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Listen, I got friends who like iced coffee. Not for me. I like a hot cup of coffee. But have you ever had that tepid, just lukewarm, sitting around coffee? It just doesn't do anything for you. And Jesus is saying, look, you're lukewarm. That means to him, you don't care. You don't care if the church grows. You don't care if the church dies. You don't care about, about much of anything. You don't care what's going on around you. You have lost that first love. And so this is something that he's saying, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So Jesus sees this church not as they see themselves. They see think they're doing fine. And Jesus says, you don't understand. You're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. And I'm standing at the door and I am knocking. And that shows there's grace, but there's also that paradox that you have a responsibility, a personal responsibility to open the door and let Jesus Christ be who he needs to be in your life and welcome him into your heart, into your home, into your churches, and let him make the difference that will bless you and your family and your church. I can't wait until I get to share with you chapter four next week. This is Pastor Noan with Treasures of the Heart.